All right. We have a great episode of Side Retired, the only podcast coming at you guys today. It's Dylan and Henry, as always, and we'll be joined by a special guest. So, Henry, let's hit the intro music and we'll get right into this. Hello and welcome to today's edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It's still on Campio and joined alongside Henry Kalani, as always, and David on the other side of the screen, producing the whole show. But Henry, it's the early morning, but of course we have the great sounds of Bayana waking us up in the morning. How you doing? Doing good. I mean, it's a it's a weird feeling, obviously, after nine months of baseball. Now we got nothing. Um, it's time for delusional trade rumors, but, you know... We'll we'll make it through till spring training. Absolutely. And today we are joined by a special guest. You guys might know her from ESPN, SNY, Sirius XM, Danny Wexelman. Welcome to the show and thanks so much for joining us. Oh my goodness. Good morning. We're going to have a little morning voice, a little morning <laughs> coffee. I am always down to talk baseball though. So thank you for having me. I love it. It's a blast. So I did just mention you're from SNY, you're from ESPN, Sirius XM, but for our audience who might not know you, how about you tell them a little bit about your story and who are you slash what's your role in the baseball industry? Oh, I love that question. Who am I? I think I'm still <laughs> trying to figure that out. <clears throat> I am originally from St. Louis, Missouri, and I went to the University of Missouri, Mizzou, to study journalism. And I'm super biased. I think it's kind of fair, though. Mizzou has the best journalism program in the country. And so I was lucky to be born in the state with it. So it made a lot of sense for me to go there. I didn't want to go there, though, for the record. <clears throat> Excuse me. I wanted to go out of state. I was looking at Alabama. I wanted to go to that big D1 school with major sports, SEC. And when I went to Mizzou, we were in the Big 12. So it was a little bit different. But I studied journalism there, specifically broadcast journalism. I didn't know right away that this is what I wanted to do. I just knew I love to tell stories. I loved to ask questions. I was really interested and curious. I played softball for a decade plus. My whole life was softball, year-round softball. And so I, I, you know, you grew up in St. Louis, you've got baseball. And we had the Rams when I was growing up. They obviously bolted with Stan Kroenke. <laughs> The blues there as well, but it's it's a baseball town. And I was fortunate enough to grow up there and and you know be wrapped around with the likes of two World Series teams, you know, 2006 and 2011. So that kind of guided and shifted a lot for me growing up. And so yeah, I studied journalism there and I struggled to find a job when I graduated. And I think that's a really real thing that people don't talk enough about, that it's really hard to do. And it's hard to get the first one. And so I, I actually ended up going to grad school for a semester at Mizzou. I studied sports psychology and took a technology class and um, ultimately got a gig working in minor league baseball the January after I graduated. So I worked for a double affiliate for the um the Washington Nationals, they're the Harrisburg Senators. I was about to call them the Washington Senators. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the Harrisburg Senators, they're double A for the Nats. And I was lucky. My team wasn't stacked, but I watched Garrett Cole um, when he was with the Pirates. I watched Zach Wheeler when he was with the Mets. Um, um, uh, Aaron Hicks was with the Twins. The, the league was stacked. It was an incredible group of guys that I got to see in my first taste 
And I, I left that gig. I, I didn't want to work for a front office. It wasn't the right fit for me, but it was very much a, you are the mascot. You are the a digital intern, you are going to wake up early and clean the stadium with the grounds crew. And you're going to sweep before the game, all the cobwebs under the, the bleachers. It was that kind of gig. And I am very grateful that I had the experience early. And those, those lessons honestly have shaped a lot of me. I pulled tarp. We, we did it all. <laughs> so I did that. And then I uh, went back to Missouri I worked for a company that specializes in home loans for veterans and active duty military. And I told military stories of families getting in their homes. That was very special to me. And I ultimately realized I had to get back in sports. So for me, things people probably don't realize is I left sports for a minute and came back early in my career and I wanted it really bad. I took a chance, a risk. I moved to New York. I got a gig at MLB.com. I was an editor producer. I was working, you know, if I had West Coast games, I would work 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. editing highlights. And if my highlight had a flash frame, I had to go back and re-edit and export. And there were some tears that were shed throughout that experience. And, you know, I grew a lot in that moment. I worked there for five years. I ended up going full time. And then I was laid off. And that's probably something else a lot of people don't know. And it's something in the moment I didn't want to talk about. It's There's a stigma for sure around that moment and something like that happening to somebody. But my entire editing floor was laid off. There was a merge between MLB Network and MLB.com. And so I lost my job. I just started to get going. I was co-hosting a show with Alexa Dat. My, one of my best girlfriends, and I was doing more youth coverage. So I was covering prospects, which was very interesting to me. I didn't know that I would be interested in that. And then I lost my work. Then 2020 happened. So I had back-to-back -back years of just really getting punched in the face, guys. Just absolutely <laughs> lost some teeth, lost, lost some faith in what I wanted to do and if I could do it. And I, I was lucky because I built a lot of relationships. And I think that's what honestly has saved my career. The relationships I built throughout the, the five, six years prior, the relationships I built in college, funny enough, the women I was emailing in college, Dana O'Neill, um, Jennifer Langosh, Allison Footer, I ended up working with Footer and Langosh at .com. And ultimately, a lot of people helped me out in 2020 and 2021. Darren Sutton, who I work with at Perfect Game, is a huge reason. And ultimately, I built back my work slowly, all contract work, no full-time, paycheck to paycheck in New York City. And uh, in 2022, I got um, I got a call from ESPN to cover college baseball. And I also got my call from SNY to do studio coverage and sit on their panel for shows and and spew out uh, my opinions and, and my thoughts and they pay me to do it, which is incredible. So I'm still, you know, I'm definitely still working towards a lot. I still have so many goals and ambitions that I think about regularly. This off scene in particular, I have a lot of goals I want to achieve, but yeah, I would say it was a decade <laughs> and we're still scratching the surface, but how exciting to see all the fruits of my labor start to pay off a little bit in a sport that I love very much. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to quickly ask about something that you mentioned towards the back end there, and that's your work with Perfect Game. Yeah. Right? Like you're seeing like these uber talented kids on these on these really high performing teams 
but would you say that your your reporting style changes when you're talking about high school kids versus professionals or I mean because because they're so talented does it largely stay the same yeah, so two I think two answers to that. The style doesn't change, but I would say the manner in which number one I'm speaking to them changes because like they're 18. Some of these kids I speak to are 13 and 14, right? We're covering we're, we're going pretty deep back in the draft class in some of the work that I do. So I would say the way in which I'm asking questions because I want to be cognizant of the fact that some of these kids are kids. They are kids. They're all kids. Right. And it's different than speaking to an adult and then speaking about them. I think to answer maybe the other part of your question is I speak about them in the same way, but I'm obviously not going to sit here and talk about a 13 year old kid and say that his arm strength isn't up to snuff and he overran the bases and his, his baseball IQ is low. I like, there's definitely stages to what you're saying but my method stays the same and the way that I go about asking questions and speaking about kids and and baseball players and athletes in general I try to keep that pretty much the same because it's my it's my brand and it's it's my personality but I want to be really careful when I talk to them the younger ones in particular or or someone who's never met me let's be honest right I I'm naive sometimes and I walk around events and I'm just like doing what I want, assuming people know who I am. And that's not the case. Right. So, hey, I'm Danny Wexelman. I cover baseball for Perfect Game. Um, and then I try to just ease into it. You just kind of want to like give them a soft landing to build their confidence. I like to think like I interviewed Corbin Carroll. He was my first All-American Classic. And I interviewed him post game. It was my first time on network television. I, it, the game was aired on MLB Network. It was 2018, and it was it was a huge moment for both of us. I probably would go back and change a million different things, but I had only known Corbin for maybe a year. But compared to someone, some of these kids now I've known since they were 12, 13 years old my relationship and my questions are going to be very, very different the way I do it, though. I try to really stay the same. I think that's important. If you're in media, if you're in sports in particular, is building the way in which you ask your questions and the way you present yourself and then the way you present information to others. Because who you are and your personality is much more valuable, I think, than anything else that you can do. We all can say the same stats, right? We all know the same exact information about everything. How do you present it? So I think that's probably something really important I, I would emphasize for people who want to get in this industry. I love it. And sort of following up on that question, one of the things I was curious about is you develop these great personal relationships with people in the industry. And then all of a sudden you have to hop on a show like SNY where there's occasions you have to slander some people, whether it's a bad <laughs> pitcher or a bad outing. But Maybe a week ago, you were just having a great conversation in the locker room with that exact same player. So what is that dynamic like of, A, knowing that, okay, I'm a reporter, I need to be very objective, and I need to sort of say what I actually believe, but at the same time, you don't want to trash someone, and the next week, you're like, oh, hey, how you doing, <laughs> type of thing. Interesting balance, isn't it? And I'm sure that you guys consume a lot of that hot take culture, a lot of the people who are hosting programs that are built around what's the craziest thing I can say and <laughs> incite my audience, right? And people will watch. And I think that's part 
that's probably part of the media that I struggle the most with. I would say this. If I'm going to say something that's not complimentary about somebody, I'm going to back it up with facts. Rarely will I personally ever sit here and say, he's not good. He's trash. Uh, he's lazy. I, I probably nine times out of 10 will not do that unless I have a number <laughs> to back it up. I try to be careful. I'm really passionate about certain spaces of our game. And I'm okay to whip my passion around <laughs> and and use it with full force, right? But but pretty much on radio, on Sirius XM, on SNY, and, and radio kind of gives you even more opportunity. It's a three-hour show. It's almost always three hours. So you have plenty of opportunities to dive in and plead your case. I think for the fans, they deserve more than this guy's trash. I think that's lazy, in my opinion. That's really easy, excuse me, to sit here and say, Max Scherzer hasn't been good. All right. Yeah, everyone knows that. Everyone can see that. But like, <laughs> let's back it up. Let's give some numbers and some context as to why. And then it's I call it the Oreo method. And sometimes I do this probably in my personal relationships too, right? You start with something nice and good, a compliment, then you get to the middle part and you say something that isn't as nice. And then you end it with something that makes sense and is complimentary. And listen, I, I come from a journalism background. So my background is not to, first of all, I'm not going to talk about somebody or say something about someone's character if I've never met them. That's a no for me. If I haven't been in the clubhouse and I haven't spent time with you and I can't speak to that, I'm not going to do that. That's not my style. That's other style. And that's fine. Honestly, the, a lot of people make a lot of money doing that. That's okay. That our, our business is built on many different layers. That's just not my style and who I am. I, I really do prefer to. So, so back to what Henry's saying is my relationships with these guys coming up. I covered Bobby Witt Jr. I covered Corbin Carroll, Anthony Volpe. I, I know Anthony Volpe's family very well. So it's hard, right? Because there are questions about Volpe. Volpe's defense, Volpe's bat. Is Volpe ready, right? And it's a tough line to balance, but they know I have a job to do. And I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm not going to badmouth him, but I'm going to say, hey, the numbers right now aren't aren't enough. And there are questions. Is he going to stay at shortstop? Where should he bat in the lineup? There are questions surrounding that. But what I know about this guy is X, Y, Z, right? So my relationships are really important to me because I I want to be able to kind of build this network. Eventually, I I hope to know like half the league one day, you know, maybe more and and to use that in, in different ways, um, which I think is really special. But it, uh, for me, my line is is usually if I haven't met the guy, I'm not going to speak to his character, but I'm happy to say, hey, Christian Walker not it, not it, buddy. Like that wasn't it in the regular season. You led your team in homers and RBI and you're at bats and your approach at the plate. Something was off. And, and, and ultimately you lacked contributions to your team and that hurt your team. Right. I can say those things because that all adds up. I can't sit here and say the dude didn't work hard enough. That's <laughs> not my style. I'm belaboring the point now at this, at, in this moment, but you, I hope you understand. And that answers your question. No, absolutely. And I mean, that's that's a great point, especially when you think about like the amount of different like the amount of different places that you're being spread around to. And I had a question about um another one where you yeah. 
where you were a commentator for the College World Series this year. You were in the press room doing that. What was that experience like? Because, I mean, that's the biggest stage in college baseball. And I know, at least personally for me, as one of one of our group's big college baseball guys, I, I eat that up. So yeah. what's what was that experience like and how and how did it differ from a professional from a professional baseball setting when it is still such a huge stage that these guys are performing on? It's so special. I'm already preparing. I'm I'm starting to get ready for next season. And I love the college space. I think that it's it might be my favorite space. It's a it's a close, it's a close contest because I do get to cover it so closely. And because I get to see these some of these guys in high school and then they choose to go to college, right? Which is really special to to kind of then see them grow personally. So when you're you're in Omaha and you're with the rest of the press and you know, some of these people have been covering the team the whole year. Some of these people are new and they're the larger media outlets, right? That are coming in for this event. And so it's this incredible mashup of these are amateurs. These are kids. Some of these kids on the precipice of being drafted, right? You know, in a month, some of these kids are going to make $8 million. Paul Skeens, right? Dylan Cruz right there in front of you. This year's, this year's college world series was that much more special because we had all those guys there. And so the professionalism is 10 out of 10, but it is, I would say way more fun because these guys are willing to pretty much tell you everything. There's a line, right? They're media trained, but they are still, there's still these guys who want to share and they want you to know who they are. That's important to them, right? The brand in college, especially right now, NIL and things like that, it's opening them up a little bit more. And and so they're willing to share their silly roommate stories, right? I, I'm um, I'm blanking on who I was sitting next to. I'm sitting next to two guys who are roommates and they're just, you know, they're sharing ridiculous stories that in if you get to the pros, maybe you'll hear, I think like Brandon Marsh and, and some other Philly are living together. So you kind of get that tidbit. But ultimately, I feel like at the college level, they're still willing to share these stories that make you go. And they rev up the College World Series and they give you this insight that's bar none, I think, better than the big league level. At the big league level, they're they're just not going to share as much. And that is what it is. That's that's just how it's been. And and different classes will change that. I think the draft class of 2022 will change that depending upon who can make it. Um, 2023 was already very different. 2024 is going to be extremely different from the last two draft classes. So I, the personalities at least. So yeah, I mean, to be there, it's a once in a lifetime experience. I hope to do it for as long as I can, but it is incredible when you get to hear these stories from these guys, because then you get to go back and paint this picture, right? That's the best part for me is that when you're on the stage and somebody sends it down to me because I can add more. And I'm trying to paint this incredible picture for people about who these kids are, why, why they are where they are, why their curveball looks that way. You know, their their grandpa in the stands that's never been to a game. Those <laughs> things, right? Like that gets me. And that's that's what I think uh, the college level does really well. They are willing to share. They're willing to be vulnerable, which is hard. And we should appreciate it more. I think that they're willing to do that. So yes, it was outstanding. I am I am concerned that future College World Series moments might be hard to top what happened this year, but I have faith we'll do it. 
I love it. And then you did just mention that key phrase of like once in a lifetime opportunity. Mm -hmm. So sort of zooming out in a second, what is sort of, I mean, if you even have one, like that one moment that you were like, oh, shoot, I'm actually doing this. Or was there that moment of like realization that I'm actually doing this and we're doing a blast and I'm in the baseball industry making it? Mm, yeah, there's been a couple of those. And I really I have a journal and I keep I keep a lot of notes, the good, the bad. I keep receipts. I got a text um, yesterday from someone who's not even my boss or manager at Sirius. And they were in a room with people who were saying really nice things. And I I screenshot that text and I have a safe space for it because you don't often get to hear the nice things. I I, I say that with um, I try to be careful. It's just that often we hear the things that we should work on and, and criticism is important in our industry, but we don't often get to hear you did a great job. I don't need it a ton. Let me tell you, I'm, I can do it on my own. But when you get something like that, that you weren't expecting and someone was so kind to pass it on, those moments are important. I would say stepping on the field for my first college world series game with ESPN, that was last year. And knowing that, I wrote in my journal that I wanted to sideline the college world series years and years ago, that that's something that's um, I've, I've really, I've wanted and I, I thought I was capable of. And sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes your hard work meets timing and it's so stepping on the field, I think, and just kind of soaking it in. I remember I, I took a lot longer after my last game in 2022 because I had day side. So my, I was finished and um, I finished before the championship series and just taking some extra moments to be like, how, <laughs> what, what? Um, and it's really, it's, it's awesome. Like I, I have busted my ass and there's been people who have supported me. And so to get to that moment, you, you do it for them and you do it for yourself. So it's, it's this very cool moment that you have. I would say that's probably been one of the biggest I've had so far and, um, yeah, I don't I don't take it for granted. I love it. Absolutely. The going back and sort of reading in your journal that, hey, I said I was going to do this and now accomplishing it, that cool feeling of checking it off the Insane. box and saying, yeah. look at that. I know, yeah. David, you had a fun question you wanted to ask as well if your mic is working. Yeah, what do we got? Yes, yes. I was just curious, um, what is your day in the life schedule look like? Because you have a busy schedule with a lot of with all your jobs so what <laughs> that's a great question it it looks different every day <laughs> and sometimes that's a good thing sometimes that's a stressful thing I have my phone calendar I have a, a paper calendar and I have stick a lot of sticky notes to remind myself of when things are I I'll say this every day is different Yesterday, I hosted radio. I was up at seven. The show's at 10. I like to get up early and just like, first of all, wake up, do my own prep. I want to be able to bring something to the table that's not in the notes that are sent to me. I want to rewatch the highlights and just refamiliarize myself with moments that maybe I didn't notice first. I try to read like all the big articles and where I have my subscriptions at. Right. So just trying to take those three hours before the show, I'll eat, drink a lot of coffee <laughs> because I like to empty the tank. Like that's kind of my thing. So I want to be prepared to give it my all and, and be able to bring energy to all these shows, especially in the postseason. And then I wrapped shows 10 to one. I wrapped 
And I had a call with Darren Sutton. We were talking about future guests for our podcast that we have and some guys that we want to talk to. So we did that. And then my day was done. That is probably like one of my easiest days that exists in the college season. I I usually have a game on Friday or Saturday to call. So during the week, we have coaches meetings with both both head coaches, right, of the teams. My producer will probably want to have a meeting as well. I'm definitely hosting a show in between there. So watching the games and paying attention to the big league level, trying to stay caught up on the college level, which also involves what else is everyone else doing, right? It's not just what my teams are doing. What are the teams in my conference doing of the games that I'm doing that week? Uh, Larger picture, what are some of the guys that are doing well? How does that relate to my game? So it's kind of keeping a tab. It's a lot of homework is ultimately my day to day a ton of homework to make sure that I know what the heck is going on at all different levels so I can speak intelligently. And I don't love homework, guys. I'll be really honest. It's not my favorite thing. It wasn't in college. It wasn't at any part of my education. But here we are back again. And like, again, I have, I just have notebooks full and and Word documents full of things that I want to keep tabs on when, let's see, you know, there's days sometimes where I have radio in the morning and then I have SNY at night. And so it's depending on the time of the show, it's a 10 to one. I usually do power alley 10 to one. And then I have about an hour to get ready and pay attention to what happened in Metsland. And I'm taking the train downtown and, and getting to the studio, putting my makeup on, doing a show, uh, a, a pre-show meeting with the producer and Sal to talk about what we're doing. And then I'm prepping, like I'm prepping for probably at least an hour for those shows. That's me. Not everyone's the same. I, again, I just, my whole thing is being prepared. So a lot of my life, excuse me, is preparing because when the moment arises, I want to be ready. And I think that's where like champions are made, right? Like if we were going to have like that champion mindset and I want to be prepared. And and so I do a lot of homework I don't really love doing, but I do it anyway. So that's probably the day. It, there's rarely a day in the week where I'm not doing something. Mondays are like my don't talk to me, don't touch me unless it's like huge deal. Like that's my admin day. That's my day to decompress because I work every Sunday. I have radio every Sunday. So I wake up, I do radio, and then I try to have the rest of the day to myself. But every day is really different. And <laughs> it's it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. But <clears throat> guys, I, I asked for this life and I wanted this life. And so I will never say that I can't handle it or I don't want it. But in all transparency, there are days sometimes where my head is spinning and I'm trying to, I'll sit on the couch at SNY and I'll take a deep breath and I'll be like, we only have 30 minutes, just 30 minutes. Focus your brain. You can do it. Empty the tank. And then, you know, you get to go home and eat dinner. So, yeah, it's a it's a whirlwind, I would say. But I'm uh, I'm very grateful for it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting time now, especially directly post World Series. Right. Mm-hmm. And now it's just sort of a, a point of reflection for for, <laughs> for baseball fans. So I'm getting into a little like really like just like baseball talk like what was your favorite moment of this season like whether it was a reporter just like a fan of the game just like what what made you smile this year oh my gosh that is such a good question I'm reeling back here I feel like there were a lot of really special moments um 
I think, to be honest, one of them was probably seeing, like, watching the end of the season and seeing the teams that were fighting for a spot. And I felt really proud of our sport, to be honest, in that moment, thinking, oh, my gosh, look at all these teams who can get in, not just, oh, here it is again, the same teams getting in and they're bulldozing their way through everybody else. That was that was a really nice moment. Um, I'm trying to think like very particular moments that happened in the season. Anytime Shohei was on, that's special. Turn that guy's game on. <laughs> if he was pitching, I, I, nothing else mattered that day. I would specifically go and watch their games. I really didn't care what else was happening. I would rewind back to the start so I could make sure I saw him pitching. You can't take that for granted. That's for sure. Um, I went to I went to Yankee Stadium when the Tigers were in town at the end of the season and Jason Dominguez made his Yankee Stadium debut. That was pretty cool to see and to watch the fans embrace him. I know it didn't end well, and and that's a tough one to swallow for Yankee fans, but watching Miggy's last series there, it's like passing the torch, right? And Jason Dominguez and his alien, you know, all the alien things that, that are going on with him. That was that was a cool moment to be in person for. Um, I'm what else did I go to this year? I'm trying to think. I went to I went to Oakland. And I I have not been out to Oakland. I wanted to again, it goes back to your your earlier question about slandering things, right? And and talking bad. I couldn't sit on the radio anymore and talk bad about this situation and not go to Oakland. And so I said, the he to hell with it. I'm going to California. I was already planning on going. I'm going to bop up to Oakland and I'm going to see it and I'm going to go. And let me tell you, it was awesome. I feel awful for those fans. I understand being from St. Louis, what it's like to have an owner just slander the fans, right? <laughs> like the dude does not care. He's just ripping them a new one and he doesn't care. And those fans are people and they grew up with this team and it's, it's not their fault. Their owner is acting in this way, right. And prohibiting them from really being a true baseball team. They're, they're, they're operating at what feels like sometimes a minor league level at a major league stage. And so I couldn't keep talking about this and this, and the whole situation, I'm not seeing it. And I was like, I haven't been to Oakland. I'm going to go to Oakland. They're moving. So I went and did that and it was very cool. It was very special to see that. And again, just kind of remind you, like I do radio from my apartment. So, so sometimes you're just in this bubble and you forget that like the game is happening out there. So I try to get to as many as I can. College season is really hard to do that um, within the week, just trying to prep for the games. But um, yeah, that was, that was probably really special for me. And then I went to Philly for the LCS and I went to games two and six and that was awesome. And I'll never forget what that experience was like. I feel for the fans, but ultimately they created a season that the players will never forget. Trey Turner getting a standing O I'll never forget that. And um, just that, that whole experience was really special. No, I think building off those last two, some of my favorite moments is as soon as Trevor may retired and then he decided to, basically slander yeah. the A's owner. He's like, I love everyone in Oakland, except one guy. He has nothing guy. to lose, right? <laughs> yeah. Insane. And then the other one was, I guess this is the end of Dancing on My Own, because I guess they've lost two years in a row with the song, so I'm not sure if you so. bring it back for a three-peat, but I guess it's kind of, like, that's part of Philly now at this point, so I don't know what's going to happen there. I saw the fans post-game, and I think they said they never want to hear that song again. 
Poor Callum Scott. He, he was like so high. He got like a dreams. <laughs> and then they're like, no more. Never again. Oh, it's fun. And then the other question, since you mentioned his name that we've been asking some people, is in 2024, Shohei Otani will be playing for X. And we've yeah. gotten a range of answers from Dodgers, Giants. People are trying to win my heart by saying Mets. And then we got mm-hmm. a Cubs recently, too. Ooh, I heard Atlanta as well. I, I heard Uh-oh. they're potentially in the mix. You can never really count Dave Dombrowski out either. The guy is a genius. Yeah, that's great. I think I've I've whittled it down to Mets and Dodgers just because Steve Cohen has the money. I don't think that that's the, the only thing that Shohei is looking for. I was surprised to hear he was interested in East Coast teams. I thought it was Dodgers all the way. So when I heard that, I immediately thought about the Mets and how they need a DH anyway, and then they'll need somebody in their rotation. So it works well. And I do think that the thing that's different about the Mets, if if the Mets and the Dodgers can offer the exact same things, but Steve Cohen can say, you know what? For you, Shohei, I'm going to give you a, a signing bonus of $100 million. He can do that. And that is that's a trick up his sleeve that nobody else has and no other team is probably going to do. And so I think that money talks ultimately. But yeah, I've whittled it down between the Mets and the Dodgers. I think he likes California. I think he likes being out there. He's comfortable out there. It depends. Like, what does he want? Does he want to set the the rules for himself? Will he allow another team to kind of dictate more of, of when of what he does and when he does it? Um, that's that's probably a part of it. I don't know if he wants everything that New York comes with. New York has baggage, right? New York is you 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 kind of gotta want to <laughs> deal with everything that this place brings with it. And I I would wonder though, and it, it gives me Craig Council vibes of maybe he wants to start new and maybe he wants a challenge. Like who doesn't want to play here and do well? All the greats have, right? The history, especially with the Yankees, but I I I I hope that if the Mets have the chance, they don't flub it. I think the Dodgers are the safe choice. The Mets are the risky choice. And and ultimately, like it's up, it's up to Shohei, but Steve Cohen has the money if, if Shohei wants it. I please it. don't please don't gas Dylan up. I can't do I can't deal with two months of Ooh, he came to New York. He's coming to the Mets. Uh, dude, don't you think I know that? Like I I all of my coworkers are Die hard, lifelong Met fans. So I, I am there, right there with you. I just like can't, I can't even imagine talking about this seriously. But you know, the today's day one, free agents, welcome to it. So it's, it's about to get spicy. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, Henry, you're looking forward to that episode in a couple of months. If all of a sudden the Otani Mets jersey is on today, but. Uh, we have three fun rapid fire questions to throw at you if you're game for them before you've officially retired the side on the interview. Oh, hell yeah. Let's do it. All right. So the first one is that you've worked in two pretty iconic baseball cities and you mentioned it earlier in St. Louis. And then we just talked about the grind of New York. What is that vibe like? And what's the difference between working in St. Louis and growing up in St. Louis as a baseball fan versus now being thrust into New York sports? Sorry, the, something just fell out of my closet. <laughs> scared the living daylights out of me oh my gosh okay I would say number one New York is intense and New York is competitive and New York is aggressive but it's 
it is 10 times more rewarding, I think, because the work you do have to work harder and you do know, like, I'm still, I, I still consider myself a small fish here. I was a tadpole when I came here. Maybe I've graduated to goldfish at this point. I don't know on the fish scale where I'm at, but I think in St. Louis, what is incredible is that there's a lot of camaraderie. And I think that the, if your competitors across the room, there's still like a love for each other. Whereas in New York, I don't necessarily know if that's the case. And that's fine. That the that that is how media works, right? You want scoops, you want, you want to be the first. And so there's it, there's more of an edge. St. Louis I um has my heart always. Missouri has my heart forever. And I I was, I think I was like, I was raised there, but media-wise, I was also raised there. It's a nice little introduction, right? You're you're kind of dipping your toe in the water, so to speak. Whereas here in New York, you are just thrust into it. Figure it out. Good luck, kid. You know, and um, at Mizzou, it's a fire pit. You get thrown in. My first, my first, this isn't, I'm not answering this rapidly. I'm sorry. <laughs> the last thing I'll say at Mizzou, the, so the J school, the first thing I did at the TV station was cover a murder trial and I was live at five o'clock. <laughs> I'd never done anything on television before in my life. They say, go to the courthouse. Go cover the it was a it's a love triangle. I'll never forget it. Tasha Morton love triangle murder trial. And I'm live at five o'clock and I'd never done anything before. So, yeah, there's there's different, um, I would say, levels to the cities. But New York is is so gratifying because I think anyone who comes here wants it so badly. And if you make it happen, it's that that much more special. And yeah, I mean, you mentioned Alexa Dat earlier, who started in New York and then went over to St. Louis. That's right. We switched <laughs> places. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but this is this is a staple of our rapid fire questions. And you talked about how softball was your life for so long. Yeah. If you were if you were still playing, what would your walk up song be? Easy. Larry, the stadium. Yeah, it's uh like almost anything by Nelly to pay tribute. <laughs> To home right country grammar in particular has a special place in my heart so nelly country grammar um but i will say like Bayana, like that kind of vibe of a song is also my vibe there's a there's a a song called i think it's thief by okay have you guys heard it it's o-o-k-a-y yeah. yeah that one gets me like the beat drops and gets me good and i'm like people would love this like i want to get the people going that's all i care about i don't care if it gets me going i want to get the people going so probably one of those two i love it that's always one of our fun questions where everyone takes that in a completely opposite direction but that's the direction i love like we want to get the whole forty thousand people in the yeah. stand excited for who's coming <laughs> up with that and then the third question we have for you, sort of an appreciation for hopping on the podcast with us. We let our guests sort of get to dictate the future of the show. And Ooh. you get to nominate slash shout out someone from either your baseball journey or somewhere else in your career that you think, hey, I think this would be a cool person to have on next. Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. Um, I mean, Lex is amazing. Uh, Lex is definitely someone who comes to mind. She... She was nicer than she had to be when we were at MLB.com <laughs> and kinder than she had to be and went out of her way to be kind and make me comfortable. And she wanted to see me succeed. And you don't you don't always get that it goes back to like, you don't really know. Right. It's it's so cutthroat. And she made it really obvious that she wanted me to succeed. And that was 
all you really need in life. You need a good friend and you need someone who has confidence in you and, and loves you unconditionally. And she always has that. That's my girl. Um, and she is back in my hometown. She gets dinner with my mom sometimes. And, um, it's really, it's honestly wild how, how things have turned out and she's crushing it. So I would say probably Alexa. Yeah. I love it. It sounds like a blast, but this was absolutely so much fun. We enjoyed having you on the podcast. Sorry, we kept you a little long. I know this was a long podcast of bright and early in the morning, but we really appreciate all the time you you gave us today. No, it's great. You guys are awesome. Thank you for having me and and waking up early with me (laughs) to do it. I will talk baseball with you anytime. I think that's the fun thing that Henry and I have right now. Would we rather be studying for a chemistry exam or talking (laughs) baseball? It's a pretty easy decision, at least in our book. (laughs) It's awesome. Good luck on that, though. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. But thank you so much. And for Dylan, Henry, Danny, as well as David, until the next time, the side is retired.